hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Warcraft, which is also known as Warcraft The Beginning. But just a heads up, guys, we've seen the film, we're discussing it with spoilers, and um, this is kind of a continuation of uh, Video Game Movie Month, which we did not long ago, Lloyd. Um, we covered a whole bunch of video games that have been turned into movies, didn't we? Oh, that was one of the best months we've ever done on Pod Me If You Can, I think. Um, we discussed how much video games impacted us when we were young, and we couldn't wait to see their transition into movies. Uh, it hasn't been a great run of video game movies, as we discussed in that month. I think my favourite is still Street Fighter Animated and Mortal Kombat, and Dave, you obviously love the Street Fighter movie, well, for its cheesiness. and its For its cheese, I love it, yeah. I have watched it since that month, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. You've analysed the trailer ahead of time of Warcraft. So let's start with, I suppose, our knowledge of the world of Warcraft or Warcraft in general. You know, for me, I've never played World of Warcraft. I haven't played Warcraft the games. I've come at this very much like a movie. My knowledge, I suppose, is I knew there were humans and orcs. I knew it was based on the video game. And uh, I had heard of Azeroth as a place. Um, I don't know what pop, pop culture told me that. I think it might have been the Big Bang Theory or something, but I did know what Azeroth was. To come to think of it, I do think it was the Big Bang Theory. I think Sheldon gets robbed in World of Warcraft in one episode and has all his belongings stolen, and they mention Azeroth a couple of times. For me, though, the the way to go into this is I loved Duncan Jones, you know, for the director of Moon and Source Code, and that, I think, is a good enough reason to check out his next work. But, Lloyd, uh, what was your Warcraft experience going in? I, I've never played uh, World of Warcraft, the video game, but I did play the real-time strategy. I think it's just called Warcraft. I, I played that a lot, but of the Blizzard games I have played, I'm a huge StarCraft player fan, uh, especially StarCraft 2 I played a lot, and, and of course the original and of course I love Diablo but I never got into World of Warcraft it just looks so scary with how much time it demands I do have very close friends that do love World of Warcraft and um, the, a friend of mine I, I watched this movie with, shout out to Andrew, um, he played uh, Warcraft a lot, I saw this on a Friday night in the extreme screen at Hoyt's and I'm assuming everyone there were World of Warcraft fans <laughs> i do feel like it's been made for the fans i had seen age of empires played i've played that so is that yeah, similar um, sort of gameplay the original warcraft was like that yeah real-time strategy like command and conquer like um age of empires or like a starcraft but then they went you know cr um all in with this world of warcraft one of the biggest phenomenons in video games like i think it had upwards of 12 million players at one point and now it's really um gone downhill they've i think it's still in, incredible uh i think five million players now still play it and you got to pay a subscription um a certain amount of dollars a month and you can play and e everyone you meet in that world is another player as well which i find really interesting and uh yeah this movie i think uh blizzard's banking a lot in to be successful to attract more players um into it and to you know try to bring up its uh, user base again well, the fact that they put the beginning in the title really bothered me going in. 
implying that it's going to be the first of many is really presumptuous. For me, maybe I have Lord of the Rings fatigue. You know, I haven't seen The Hobbit. I haven't seen that series, but sort of to go into another fantasy series, I wasn't sure what I was going to get. Sorry, Uh, you didn't see The Hobbit? I haven't seen The Hobbit, no. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I mean, I'm wondering if we should see that on this podcast, Lloyd, just because of, you know, the impact of Lord of the Rings and culture and stuff. But um, it just seems like if you think of World of Warcraft, of how big a time demand it is, I am worried that The Hobbit is going to be a big demand on my time. Yeah, I I tried reading the books. I got 60 pages in and I went, if they're going to sing another song, I'm turning, I'm just just (laughs) going to stop reading. Uh, Sure enough, I turned the pages, another song, and I went, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) And that was the end of my um, reading experience of any Lord of the Rings books. Well, in Warcraft, here we go, there's a a war between orcs and humans for as long as I can remember, as the opening voiceover says. Yeah, what was the battle between the first two guys? Like, it opens up with a battle. Like, is it something that precedes the film or the story of the film? Or is it something that was in the early battles that, like, we hear different legions have died off? So maybe that's just one of the... Yeah. It's a bit of a prequel of kind of here's some events that have happened for sure. But I did think it was just like... Uh, lolly shots for the trailer, you know, like getting a bit more action in, getting a bit of a fight in. Um, like, what's some- interesting because the orcs have to leave their world to get into this one, so we get like a, almost a space travel sort of thing. Yeah, is like a sliders a- or a, you know, a, what is it? Um, I want to say Stargate. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, Stargate's a very, very good comparison. Yeah, we didn't see Kurt Russell in this one, though. Uh, what, <laughs> like, is that the original orc world, like, or is it uh, another world that the orcs have conquered and killed? Like, and just because uh, I find that pretty interesting, we do see another race in there that are begging for mercy and they get their life force sucked out of them to power up the. Uh, the the portal it's probably said in the warcraft law that that is the original orc homeland but in terms of the text of the movie how i interpret that is that maybe the orcs have conquered multiple worlds and this is just azeroth is just another step okay i um i did sort of think that was their original world i suppose the voiceover does say our world was dying and i had to find my clan a new home but the the thing for me that sort of seals it is you know how he figures out that the to use that kind of green magic uh, it's sort of sucking the life force from the, the world yep. if the fell if they had done that a bunch of times they probably would have figured that out sooner so that made me think it was still early days using the fell and maybe uh that was the first world they had to leave um, i got i gotta quickly interject here what annoys me so much with the critics reaction to this movie uh, is that they just had no respect for the efforts of Duncan Jones and his team, I feel. Like, they made a movie here with a lot of character. I don't think anyone can deny that. And there's a lot of detail. Like, compared to, say, Blockbusters, we did San Andreas on this podcast, which we both hated. And it sits at 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that piece of shit, like, has no... And I love The Rock. The people in it are good looking. But that movie was so hard to watch. Um, and, and that has, it felt like no effort was put into that movie, yet an ambitious movie like Warcraft, I feel it was really ambitious, gets like 29%. The, the movie doesn't have black and white bad guys versus good guys. And like uh, uh, people are going to flame me for this, but my biggest issue with Lord of the Rings 
is it doesn't offer any dimensions to the villains of the orcs and goblins. They are just like 2D monsters marching against like other people. We never got why. I think it is the main villain's name Sauron, the Eye. Yeah, Sauron. Sauron. Uh, maybe Sauron's like the fell equivalent in Lord of the Rings, like this entity of death that consumes life. But what about the armies that follow him? Are they, are they, are they like robots? Do they eat? Do they consume? Do they think? You know, it doesn't. They're, they're just this evil force just marching against good. And at least in Warcraft, we have. You know, a mage uh, played by Ben Foster, who has been consumed by Sonic. He could, he thought, I think he could have um, used it to help people, but uh, slowly it's corrupting him. And the mage does seek redemption in the end when he uses his last breath to try and open that portal um, to help the people escape. And also, we have Gul'dan, a, a complete, like the leader of the orcs, like kind of the leader. He's like the, the mage of the orcs. Like he's completely an utter power-hungry warrior who was, like, totally consumed with the appetite of, of death, which is the fell. And then we have um, Duratan, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, with his baby. He understands that he, you know, there's, there's just so many more politics involved with, with the orcs. They're just not 2D cutouts, which is what I really liked about this movie. I can appreciate that. I um, I referred to Goldan in my notes as the wizard orc. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> um, I think he... it's pronounced Gul'dan. Oh, jeez. The, the Gul'dan, fans of yeah. Warcraft are going to have a field day on the comment section. <laughs> was he being consumed by Fel himself? Is that what made him so evil? Or yeah, was he that, able that, to wield it? That's a really good... Um, yeah, I think he's got more control than Ben Foster. I think Ben Foster's character, Muldoon, uh, Medivh, I think. Medivh, yeah. Yeah, Medivh. I don't think Medivh was possessed by a demon per se. Like, we definitely see a demon-esque creature come towards the end that is destroyed. I, I think the fell, I felt, is like a metaphor for any kind of addictive and corruptive substance. Like, I feel Medivh learnt of the dark power, tapped into it, thinking it was something that he that could be used to help his um, people, but in the end it consumed him, just like someone using a, any kind of drug to get an advantage but just ultimately it destroys them like i like to i always use the example of philip k dick who took speed to help him write like uh, he wrote um uh, android's dream of electric sheep he's one of the great science fiction writers of all time and that ultimately was his downfall it physically destroyed him and the fell is definitely portrayed in that sense like the high price for the power of the fell is madness hunger and maybe deformity as well. Uh, it is a drug that consumes everything, like all of life. And I think Ben Foster, by the way, I love Ben Foster in Pandorum. Check out my review I did on YouTube on, on that film. He was fantastic in that. I think he does a great job here. Like it feels, I feel like his torment in every scene, like he feels like, like he looks like a junkie trying to hide um, something, um, something more to him. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, um, there's scenes of him uh, like really struggling and r really um, in inner torment. So I, th I, th I think he did a. Re I think he's a really underrated performance there. And what you're saying about the orc wizard it's like i don't think he fully understands the fell but he he has learnt how to master it uh because there is a moment when the force field opens i don't think he knows that there's a second guy opening the force field as well uh may, maybe that's in the movie and i didn't see it but i don't think he understands the fell completely but he is wielding it and uh, by at the same time it is controlling him in a, in a sense <laughs> he, he's just the most powerful orc I mean no one else has mastered it so he is taking control and really I don't dictatorship think he'll allow anyone, yeah I don't think he'll allow anyone to master it 
for me, Ben Foster, unfortunately, he's linked to this one performance where I saw him, uh, and it's what I think of every time I consider him as an actor. The film was called 1114, and uh, it's like a film with a series of events happening to a series of people over a night where it jumps back and forth from perspectives. And there's a bit where his character is in a van and he needs to pee and he sticks his penis out of a window and then they turn a corner sharply and it is severed. Um, Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. And uh, another character sort of finds it and puts it on ice, you know, in the road sort of thing. And it's, it's you know, they, they go back for it and that sort of stuff. And he's, he's a really helpless and he does a good job performing in this scene and everything, but he's like forever in my mind because I've seen this one performance that's my go-to now for Ben Foster and so I found it really difficult to believe him as a wise old wizard having seen that whizzing in the other movie um, and I have read some criticisms that his character should have looked at least 10 years older um, you know like he's quite a young wizard to be considered the guardian and speaking of which I did think they kept hitting us over the head with the mage is going to become the guardian he's like you know hold my stick for a second uh you're not the guardian yet you know just constant nods to it that i didn't feel at all surprised when he was the most powerful at the end i suppose when the mage sort of you know comes into his own yeah he was luke uh, skywalker becoming pretty much a, je a full jedi by the end yeah, um, you know, they saw potential in him as well because they, like, you know, summon him to... He could I mean, destroy us both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the detail oh. of the politics is what made me, like, really enjoy this film. Like, I'm so impressed uh, with what they did here. Like, we have so much going on with the orcs. Like, arguably, there's more going on with the orcs than the humans. Like, uh, like we have a corrupt leader, again, who's in consumed with the fell, the, the wizard orc. Um, and the fell itself, like, it, let's say it does have an entity. Uh, I don't like to think it does, but, like, it, it's exploited, like, the perfect war culture to embody, like, its pursuit of destruction. Like, it, like that amazing scene where, um, and it's a very important one, where they come out of the portal and the baby is dying um, from birth. And then mm. Gul'dan sucks out the life force out of that deer and then puts it into the baby, which I yeah. think is a very important moment to the film. And to credit to Gul'dan, in a sense, he never held that against um, um, he might have in the dialogue, but from memory from watching the movie, he never used that against him, even when they came to Mortal Kombat between the two. He never said, oh, I saved your son. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's a very important thing um, right at the beginning. And it shows as well the fell can bring life, which, which is an interesting duality to, you know, the evil side. And within the Orc army, we have Black Hand, a commander who follows closely the tradition of his people. And there are some gro great moments. Like, I think... He it, because of the um, when he ran away from that ambush when they tried to ambush the um, heroes, um, he he was dying. He had to put his hand into the fell, and the fell was eating him away. And then Duratan um, cuts his arm off. Is, did I see that scene right? To to make sure he was saved. And there's now um, Duratan. That's why Duratan saves. Um, no, sorry. That's why Blackhand saves Duratan from being uh, executed. Like. 
he says, oh, can my, uh, if I give myself in, will you let my people go when they find out Juratan bet- um, betrayed them? Uh, there's just certain, so many layers in that moment. I love all the scenes with Olgrim, the Doomhammer, like the, the best friend of Duratan. Like uh, he betrays um, Duratan and seeks redemption by the end. Like he's got a great story arc and you really feel the weight of his crime and his betrayal. And what's worse, he sees his leader, Duratan, die, you know, fighting... Um, uh, Gul'dan in, in Mortal Kombat at the end. You know, there's so many layers to the orcs, which I, I just found absolutely fascinating. It really hit me, you know? Well, the orcs are certainly more interesting than the humans. From the beginning, like, we're given orc voiceover and we're sort of encouraged to be, you know, uh, align ourselves with the orcs, I suppose. When we, of course, watching the film are humans, we're, you know, not necessarily supposed to be rooting for the orcs, but... The CGI for me, <laughs> the the look that she's sort of human looking, um, I want to say, what was the main guy's name? Juratan? His wife, who's birthing his, you know, another warrior for the Horde. She's even sort of human looking. I know she's a little bit CGI, but he's all CGI. And then there's the half-breed, uh, Garona, the cursed orc, who as well is a human with a bit of makeup. Like, it was difficult to like you couldn't choose one element you know um they had a full cgi kind of a mix as well as like human with just some prosthetics that that was kind of off-putting but sure did did you find the the cgi capture or whatever they used to capture the faces amazing like it's so expressive for the orcs yeah for the Um, orcs yeah more so they were more expressive and everything that I thought they would be uh, from the trailer. Yeah, uh, because I'd only seen the trailer, of course, um, going in. And I was impressed generally with the CGI. Just, um, I suppose I would have enjoyed just one choice being made. Like, uh, maybe Corona should have looked more orc-like than she was. And I do realise she was a half-breed. That opened up a whole set of problems for me where I was thinking about, you know, uh, they mentioned her mother was burned alive for birthing her. Yeah, and, and, the, uh, and the tusks were really important, like a very important symbol to the orc race. But uh, that's the biggest issue I had. Like, I love Paula Patton. I think she's absolutely beautiful. And there is so much weight and drama in her face and eyes. And physically, she's, you know, very good looking, but she's also Amazonian-like quality to her. Like, I don't know if she they made her look bigger than the guys, but there are scenes where she just had so much presence physically compared to the other men in the scene. Like, there's that moment where they carry Medivh back to his tower to put him back in that blue stuff, that blue pool, and it's literally her carrying him. Like, not even the mage can give a hand. She has to do all the muscle work. Uh, but my biggest issues with Paula Patton, again, I think she did a great job with this. The fangs, the tusks, she just looked a bit uncomfortable. And I think they just made him too big. They could have made him more vampiric, just smaller, to show she's more human. I, I understand they're very important to the orc culture, the tusks. But she, like a few of her lines, I think, were hard to hear because the actress was really struggling to speak with these uh, fangs. And let's face it, they did look like... Um, you know those fangs you get at hot dollar stores and you put them on <laughs> yeah. but again Paula Patton she did a good job her her character came out of that uh, despite the bad prosthetics in my opinion I, I do believe her character came at the forefront so they refer to her as a half breed 
and so there there are mixed races as well i mean the orcs are pure blood orcs and you know juritan's son is the the son of two chieftains and everything a pure bloodline of orcs or whatever she is the offspring of a human and an orc correct yeah that's correct so i'm assuming (laughs) yeah well this is it even though they've been at war the orcs and humans have been at war for however long so was this like a rape situation or was this like a romeo and juliet situation because she kept the child i'm not sure like it opened a whole new set of like there's a whole nother movie there almost but then when they have that baby that eventually winds up floating down the river i had trouble because all i could think of was little shrek (laughs) (laughs) well i thought it was um, a very biblical allegory there oh yes (laughs) yes and so at the end sort of mid credits or whatever that baby looks like it's going to be raised by humans so is that going to be like a reverse tarzan you know like an animal or creature raised by humans i that's the thing i like about this there's like even if this movie hits a disaster like financially let's say like at the moment critically it's a failure i think we can both agree that majority of critics unfortunately really dislike this there is a strong possibility that they won't make a sequel like terminator genesis like spider-man um the amazing spider-man one and two the studio will abandon it and not bother to make the sequels um ender's game is also another one set up to for sequels which i i don't think they're going to go ahead and make that 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 is a possibility um unfortunately but there, there's so many stories directions where they can go like um luthor or luther what, what luther luther <laughs> the, yep. the guy from vikings uh, the australian actor uh, i i don't know if it's a case at the end where he does believe garona did in fact kill his king i'm sure most of the people do believe that garona um, turned and killed the king now will that lead to a massive aggressive attitude towards the orcs will they try to um, kill all of them will the second one be all about revenge you know and and will the queen like the queen all the female characters in this are really really strong but is the queen going to be now more aggressive to garona and the people of the orcs she seems so understanding like she's the first one who opens up um Uh, to offer like a blanket and a drink to Garona she's really understanding and she loves the people will that all turn in the second one you know and we didn't even see the politics of the um the dwarves and the orcs that's one of my issues with the film as well like they could have ventured a bit more into to those people like I, I didn't fully understand the world of Azeroth but um yeah there's so many different directions where world of warcraft can go and there's every possibility that that won't happen because this movie might be a complete failure critically although like it's kind of making its money back it's at over 350 million now yeah, I sort of assume this will eventually get a sequel, but it might be like a straight-to-DVD sequel. Oh, really? Um, wow. Well, yeah, I mean, if it makes enough money, then that says there's an audience, but they just might not bother going through the whole uh, marketing campaign again, you know? You just say, core fans, here's the next one. We've got Paula Patton and whoever else from Vikings, you know, signed on for three films. We may as well. We make enough money off this first one. I mean, it might not have been critically well accepted, but fans do seem to like it. 
Lothar, for me, you know, he's got the classic Jon Snow, Aragorn, long-haired beard guy look. <laughs> and I thought at least they didn't get gratuitous and, like, have a shirtless scene or a mixed race scene where he hooks up with, what's her name, Garona. Well, what you know, happened we- there when um, Medivh says, this is my gift to you, Garona, and he gives her the blue rose, and then we jump cut, it's after Lothar's son has died in that battle, and he's crying, saying, oh, he, my um, my wife died at childbirth, and I always blamed him for it, and now he's gone, I feel really sad, and then they embrace each other. Like, was, was the gift from Medivh just transportation to... Lothar, or was it a case he, I don't know, did they make love that night? Or I, I don't know exactly know what happened in that sequence. I have no idea what that gift was, Lloyd. <laughs> it was a blue rose. <laughs> yes, I have no idea what that represented, and I assume that was something in the game that didn't make sense to a casual <laughs> movie. Color. See, that, that's the parachute I don't want to keep pulling. Like, oh, I'm sure it's explained in the lore. Yeah. Like, it has to be explained in the text of this movie or implied. Like, I, I just have to go with that. I don't want to keep retreating to, oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be in the game. I'm not attacking you. I'm just I'm defending no, ourselves from it's attacks. It's totally from- fine. I hope <laughs> yeah. people let us know like on facebook or twitter you guys can find us at podme if you can you guys gotta read book seven man you guys don't know anything (laughs) yeah i don't know anything so just tell us what that blue rose was you know i did think it was interesting how they tried to humanize the orc by having a son and then as well the human has a grown-up son they both have a son it's such good common ground and you know my son is named martha too we can be friends (laughs) (laughs) you know that old uh, that old twist. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the language done brilliantly in this? Like, um, yeah, like there's that moment where Duratan meets the king and they're trying to negotiate like a rebellious attack, I guess, uh, which they end up getting turned on themselves, Duratan's clan. Um, but you see it in full swing, the brilliance of how they handled the foreign language in this movie because every time it cut to Duratan speaking, we can hear off camera like just in the distance Garan um, translating in a different language that we can't identify to the king and then when the king spoke Garona sorry when the king spoke you can hear Garona translating in a different language to the orcs it is so brilliantly done every review I've read hasn't even talked about this it is so hard to do one show that does it really well is Vikings Vikings does an amazing job at um, you know um, explaining the language of the, the English the language of the French, the language of the Vikings themselves. Um, it's it's really inter- intermingled really well when it um, when you hear French, and then when once we're in the French all French scene, it switches to English, so we can understand it. A bad example of it is War Horse. Go back and listen to that podcast. We just attack on all angles. One of the worst uses of multi language films. But um, credit to Duncan Jones here. He did his homework, researched a lot. Very 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 well done. For me, one of the weak things was uh, exposition. So, you know, they introduced a boomstick, you know, which is a gun. Um, which is well. a reference to Army of Darkness by Sam Raimi, who was originally set to direct the World of Warcraft movies, by the way. And as well, they uh, introduced Ben Foster's character. He's making a golem in the mountains, you know, uh, saying that this thing will be active sooner than we think. If that I mean, thing from- didn't get active, I would have been really angry. <laughs> yeah, this thing should be active by the third act of this movie. <laughs> like, 
it did take me a minute to realize they uh, he was affected like i was thinking why would you go on horseback you know when you can teleport but then he was getting weaker you know i felt a little bit like that wasn't immediately explained so i had to really wait for that one but i was happy with the explanation magic takes it out of you <laughs> you know how powerful those birds were like especially at the end that one bird killing orcs left right and center why don't they yeah. just get an army of those birds just to attack but uh, i don't know maybe they're very limited numbers or something See, what about the wolves? I was like, where are the wolves in the third act? Oh, from the orcs. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the heroes... Oh, sorry, the heroes. The good guys were... The good guys... The there's humans. no good guys or bad guys. <laughs> the, the humans were uh, attacking on horseback, and then obviously the um, orcs had um, wolves. Yeah, they just so, sort of disappeared towards the third act. Yeah. I Maybe was like, where are up. they? <laughs> uh, you know, I was expecting going in to have a Dune-like movie. Like, basically, David Lynch, one of the best directors of all time, made a studio action movie in 1982 called Dune. And it's frustrating. Like, it's it's a bad movie, but there's sheer brilliance in it. And it's also frustratingly very difficult to watch. I actually find Dune very irresistible, funny enough. So, I was expecting... Duncan, just because the critics were so harsh on this, I was expecting Duncan Jones um, to, to, you know, to have moments of brilliance in this film, and to, but overall, it's very frustrating. I actually, I, I didn't know this by the way. Duncan Jones is the son of David Bowie. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know that at all. <laughs> I actually think he's pretty overrated. Like, I like to Moon and I like Source Code, but people saying he's like this great, great director. I don't think he's that good. He's very good. He's just not a great like. Uh, Ridley Scott or anything like that but yeah so I was kind of expecting like a June sort of mo movie here but I, I was pleasantly surprised <laughs> I, look I'm, I've really enjoyed Moon source code slightly less and this less again so now I am worried about the way his career is going in my eyes uh, which is just kind of you know it's a tangent so you know but i'm hopeful uh like i i'm hopeful he can recapture something maybe with an original story i feel like he probably wouldn't do a sequel although he's probably with exhausted he had a really bad time budget yeah well he had a really bad time making this i heard his wife got cancer and then of course his father died during the making of this movie you know so it's just um must have been just absolutely awful to helm a very important sub uh uh, project for our gaming company Blizzard and of course obviously to the studio who's putting so much money into this you know um, uh, and then to have that those disasters happen to him it must be really really terrible I sort of sympathize with him on a positive note though his wife is about to have their first child which sort of will bookend you know and close this chapter you know Warcraft will come out he'll become a father and then I hope we'll see something more original from him in the near future there was a nice bit of humour in this film and everybody laughed when Garona said, you would not be an effective mate. It was... <laughs> what, was that the biggest laugh in your cinema? Yeah, that was the biggest one. <laughs> well, I, I think it was greatly... The humour was actually greatly lacking in this movie. I saw this on a Friday night a packed movie house and I'm assuming a lot of them were World of Warcraft players and there were the entire crowd were looking for any opportunity to laugh like there were even moments that weren't that funny and some people were bursting out laughing i think the biggest laugh for me was when they in my crowd was when the guy got turned into a sheep um i i, I heard that's a big thing in the game like you can get turned into a, a creature of some sort you know just for a few minutes like a sheep uh, i guess i don't know so that's there's obviously a lot of fan service throughout this whole movie but even in a series as bleak 
as Game of Thrones, there are great characters with a sense of humour. Like, I wish they gave Lothar one or two close friends with a bit of banter. I think that was a huge missed opportunity. Maedeev had that ro- um, that loyal friend who he eventually kills in the tower. I, I feel Luther should have had a close friend like that. Or Betty at Lothar, one is... yeah. Yeah, Lothar, <laughs> sorry. Or one as good as um, Juratan's friend, Olgrim. Like, he could have had a sense of humour, say some witty lines, and then at the end, when the king's defending the portal it would have been more poignant when you know that friend dies there's this movie really needed some memorable memorable lines for gamers to quote not always these hardcore lines but enjoyable ones as well you could argue lothar had his son but then when his son dies he becomes quite um withdrawn and stuff yeah no i got that yeah for me the problem with lothar is that he's too uh strong he is the human who, you know, he says, don't try and take them out with brute force. They're stronger, be smarter. He's the guy who can kill an orc by sliding through its legs and, you know, stabbing it. He's impossibly good uh, for our hero. I felt like they kept kind of glorifying him maybe too much. He's like Achilles um, in um, Troy. Yeah, a little bit like that. They didn't go the... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Trek, kind of William Shatner beds the green alien kind of storyline. <laughs> we don't know, though. They could, have, they could have slept with each other in that moment when he was crying about his, the death of his son. <laughs> I suppose so. Well, wasn't um, that a touching moment when Garona gives the, the tusks to, to, um, to Lothar? Yeah, it was. I... I didn't know about the moment at the end when, um, now I don't know his name, but Juratan's buddy uh, takes his tusk for his son, you know, like uh, to pass on the generation or whatever. He doesn't know where the son is. Or or if they're alive. Or if they're even alive. Yeah, because he he still thinks the the mother is still alive on the run, but um, he doesn't know that she's actually dead. And now the the son is in um, human hands, possibly. Possibly, yeah, which I think would be interesting, maybe give that kid a perspective on life but you know they did that whole moses thing it was sort of on the nose um that whole secret meeting they had was so secret that it was being watched by both the guardian and the orcs <laughs> you know the one where they get ambushed which i was yeah. like yeah well that's because olgrim turned on him he told yeah. him that he's going to get betrayed yeah when they had that big lightning screen that splits them up so the sun is killed you know, we get a really good look at the orc that did it so he can avenge him later on. <laughs> that was a big setup, big foreshadowing there. I actually thought, um, I, I can't give an accurate opinion on this, but a lot of the actions, because I was second from the row, like I saw this in extreme screen, the cinema was so packed, I was second from the, from the um, first row. And it, I was so close to the screen, a lot of the action just seemed so blurry to me, so I can't give an accurate critique on it. But that moment where his son dies, I didn't feel anything at all. Like, I really wanted to feel sorry. Yeah, they didn't spend enough time on screen together. Yeah, which makes me think there's maybe a director's cut with more time, but that should have been a big moment of loss, and, and it just wasn't. I was like, who's this good-looking young kid? Oh, he's the son. Oh, he's dead now. You know, I didn't care. For me, the thing I didn't care for was... From light comes darkness and from darkness light. You know, they they give the mage when he goes to Cloud City. Let's be honest, it's Cloud City. <laughs> when he goes to Cloud City, um, he gets that cryptic bullshit, you know, from light comes <laughs> darkness, from darkness light. I was like, all right, so how's that going to work? And it was literally just something he said. At the all end, of, he was like... 
Well, was that with the introduction of the Kieran tour, those people around the cube? Yeah. That came too late, man. It was too it just made it too crowded. Like I remember seeing these the Kieran tour they're around a cube and I was like, who the hell are these guys? Like I do know that they did mention it in dialogue. Like obviously during that fire camp scene when he when she says oh he wants to mate me, he he talks about his family and how they sent him up there to train. So that dialogue explains it, but they shouldn't have bothered introducing the Kieran tour. It's just fan service. It made it a bit exhausting for a viewer like myself to watch it going okay who are these guys now it just came too late in the movie i reckon he should have just met who uh glenn close plays that shadow figure by the way who says those lines who looks like she had problems with the fell as well because her eyes turned green but wouldn't it be better just for him to have met that shadowy person and for her to tell her tell him yeah look um medivh is actually behind this you know that would have been just play it more straightforward there's no need to introduce the kieran tour just made it a bit exhausting or um, make his introduction him escaping from them so that we have reference of where he's come from. You know, yeah, give us or introduce him earlier. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Introduce you, it you earlier. Know, I agree. It was like giving, being given a payoff with very little setup. So you're like, what's going on now? For me, the one thing I thought they did well, um, which I'll pay credit for, and I mean, there's more than one, but I just wanted to highlight it, uh, was when they had Goldan fight Duratan, you know, the orc one on one. That's one of my favourite moments in the film, yep. <laughs> Yeah, he cheats and steals the life force and hits him. And they say, that's not our way. You know, and everyone's starting to turn on the orc traditions because he's not respecting them. I was surprised that they killed off Duratan. Yeah, but it, like he dies trying to turn the orcs against um, Gul'dan, like, which he fails, but nevertheless makes a very important statement. That's right. And it, it was sort of, he did die in vain because he, he didn't save his wife. He like barely saved his child. He didn't save the orcs from his rule. It was sort of like we were introduced to him like he was a main character. But ultimately, if he was not in the film, maybe things would have been exactly the same. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, uh, I think his moment is very poignant. Like, he does lose all but two of his people, the Frostwolf clan. clan. Like, their their whole entire clan's almost eradicated, which was so brutal. Like, all he's got left is his friend who walks away from the orcs and then his baby which uh, and his wife dies. It's so sad. And the way he dies as well, getting his life force sucked out of him and he's still trying to fight on. Like how hopeless, um, his efforts were just so hopeless. I'm just so impressed with how, like, I've never seen a moment like that in a big blockbuster Hollywood film. Like to have a character as important as Juritan just to be, just to die like that and so awful as well. Like it isn't a beautiful death. His body is literally, you know, destroyed like and disfigured. It's really touching. Um, And I really feel for Olgram as well not only did he betray his friend and this was a big you know this moment is really largely because of him um you know he's not only lost his best friend and his leader he's lost his people it's so beautiful like you just don't see stuff like that uh, stuff as heavy-handed as that in a Hollywood blockbuster movie oh and by the way what about that scene when Gul'dan is sucking the life force from that prisoner treating him like he was some kind of drink as, as he's discussing, like, a Machiavellian plan to destroy the Frostwolf frost clan with, um, with uh, Olgrim. Like, yeah. it is such an evil moment. I cannot believe how they got past the senses. I'm looking at this guy. This is terrifying. This is one of the scariest things I have ever seen. And there's that moment... Um, 
in the last battle where Ben Foster is trying to have the portal open, like his last moments of redemption, his last dying breath, he tries to keep the portal open and the king and his men are trying to protect the people escaping into the portal and eventually the portal dies off and then you see the orcs kill the last prisoners like those people who those poor people who've been prisoners they didn't make it quite in time for the portal and they just get eradicated and all the king's men get um killed it's just like wow this this movie's so bloodthirsty (laughs) and the king has a whole speech to uh garona in that moment where he says you know uh, you can kill me and then you have honor and you know like he goes on and on they're in the middle of a battlefield and I just kept thinking you don't have time to chat about this I felt that scene was too drawn out and you know ultimately I didn't care if the king lived or died and then the process of then naming Lothar the king because he's the toughest I guess like he's chosen by popularity because it's not any succession the king has a son he's not like I'll take over until the son is old enough because I'm his uncle like why is he the king <laughs> yeah that that's one of my biggest uh complaints is that they didn't show enough of the politics of Azeroth I'm not saying about the orcs I think they did a fantastic job with the orcs but I wish I saw a bit more of the elves and the dwarfs and the other human kingdoms just to know how their hierarchy worked. Why didn't the elves support the king in the battle? Why didn't the dwarves support the king? We did get a bit of the round table scene um, with people arguing. And maybe, Dave, this is because of my age, but I love the political scenes to know why, what, 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 you know, as Renoir said, everyone has their reasons. And I want to know what these people's reasons were. Why, yeah, why does Luthor all of a sudden become king you know and i just didn't get enough of that you know i knew full well why uh garona became king and um you know uh, that was a great moment where guldan had to accept her as king because guldan now you know he has to abide by the laws of his people despite she being... became a full orc exactly yeah. exactly so uh, we all fully understood that but yeah at the end i'm just like okay i guess the the ridiculously powerful achilles becomes king as well you know <laughs> yeah just because <laughs> Because I guess he will lead them into battle. But, I mean, Aragorn, for example, became king because he was supposed to be king and he had shunned it. It didn't matter that he was the toughest warrior in battle, which he also happened to be. This one, it wasn't like Lothar was supposed to be king and his sister was older or something and then she married someone who became king. Uh, You know, it wasn't complicated. It was just like, he's the king now because... No explanation needed. The orc that that killed Lothar's son, he becomes super strong. You know, they set it up for the final fight. He is, you know, used the fell and made him even stronger. And then for him to kill him so quickly, like slide through the legs, stab him with the sword, he was too strong. Lothar was too, too good. I felt like the orcs should have been more powerful. You know, at least when they ambush them and they first meet the orcs, they should have been really beating the humans. There wasn't really like a orcs pulverizing humans it was humans while holding their own you know yeah no that's a that's a good point i actually found that during that ambush the orcs were shown to be extremely powerful but the moment luthor started swinging his sword um yeah he was dicing them up pretty um pretty he's the easily. toughest <laughs> yeah he yeah i i've i 
heavily agree with you the, that last scene with Black Hand, and I do think Black Hand had um, lots of dimensions to him. I think he was a good character, and um, unfortunately for him, um, the the Gul'dan just shoots him with all his power and he just becomes crazed with, you know, there's no moment of pause for him. And then, yeah, he has that um, showdown with um, Luth- Lothar and Lothar doesn't have any powers as far as I know other than being uh, an extremely good swordsman. Yeah, the choreography, I agree, the choreography there was a bit too much. Oh, well. Uh, any final thoughts on Warcraft? Um, I just want to say I was thinking of my top five video game movies now that I've seen Warcraft I need more time to think about this but I do think it's a great step in the right direction we had a really really solid director approaching the material with a lot of respect I personally think he came out with a very good movie yeah I've got my issues with it I wish there were more politics on the human side I wish um, the battle scenes were choreographed a little bit better I wish there was more of a sense of humor in this movie but overall I think that he did a great job World of Warcraft players should be very very satisfied with this movie because it could have easily been a quick cash grab with nothing to say i do feel this movie has a lot to say um but i'm still going to go with street fighter the animated movie is my favorite and mortal kombat <laughs> and then world of warcraft will probably be third but i um the big thing i guess that's coming up is assassin's creed will that be the game that gets video game movies back because unfortunately and i hate to say it 29 percent didn't get over the 50 percent um uh, Metacritic rating that I'd hope you'd get. No, video game movies have had a tough run. Look, I I thought this was a bit convoluted. I thought the exposition wasn't quite right. Um, I probably questioned why some scenes were in the movie versus, you know, what could have come out. But again, I've seen it once. This is the kind of thing that may require another viewing uh, with maybe some more Warcraft knowledge under my belt. Next time on the podcast, guys, we're going to cover Independence Day 2. This is interesting, Lloyd. It's coming in 20 years after the original, and in the time frame of the film, it's also going to be 20 years after. Liam Hemsworth, will he be good? Jeff Goldblum playing the same character. I'm intrigued, and uh, obviously the aliens are coming back even stronger, so... I can't wait. I I love Independence Day when I was a kid. I watched it again only a few years ago, and I fell asleep. And I went, oh, man, I, I can't get into this movie anymore. I don't know what it is. I loved Independence Day, the first one. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what's happened. Maybe I'm just, you know, too mature now to enjoy these fun things. <laughs> so I'm hoping I go into Independence Day 2 with... Um, with a high up attitude and I come out going, yeah, that was a lot of fun because I just want to have fun with this movie. That's the thing. In the trailer and everything promises a lot of action. How come and, Will um, Smith didn't come back for it? Well, uh, I believe there was a scheduling conflict and so they made the decision that his character is dead. Although, I mean, maybe he's abducted by aliens and we could see him at the end of the movie. Oh, and be right, like, yeah. I mean, to be honest, that's uh, that'd be a great setup for a third one. For him to be like, I'm back or whatever, you know. Or they go up to an alien spaceship and he's up there or something and he escapes with them. They implied, I think, in some online material that his character uh, was like field testing some alien technology and it exploded or it turned on him. You know, there was some accident that happened and his character died. And so his son is in the movie, you know, the one who's like, didn't I promise you fireworks? And he's like, yeah... So his kid is grown up and he's obviously uh, filling in the Will Smith 
um, you know, space. He's going to be, you know, a fighter pilot. He's going to have some cool lines. You know, he's he's going to have some action scenes. And look, what well, remains to be seen how many nods there are to the original. But um, I'm intrigued, and we're actually going to go opening day, Lloyd. So, by the way, guys, we did a podcast on which alien race would win if all the aliens came to Earth and had to fight each other in order to claim Earth. And in the end, it was the Independence Day aliens that won. We both kind of agreed on that. Like, the blob would probably, um, you know, we, we said the blob would probably put up a hell of a fight, but in mm, the end it was... Just um, absorbing other races, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's just insanely powerful. We're, and, we're to- yes, we're talking about the Steve McQueen blob in the 50s. <laughs> it's really overpowered. Yeah, that was a great podcast, and we talked about how powerful and effective these aliens were. Um, and, of course, Independence Day, the special effects, was just so incredible for its time. It still holds up really well. From what I remember before I went to sleep, went to sleep. <laughs> my favorite, um, my favorite bit about that aliens invading conquer who would conquer um, podcast was the first aliens we get rid of are the signs aliens because as soon as as soon as they get wet, you know, it rains. They're like, oh, <laughs> so getting rid of them straight away. That was my favorite part. All right, guys. Well, Independence Day two next time. If you can answer any of our World of Warcraft questions, you can find links to our Facebook and both of our Twitters uh, on the left of the page at www.podmeifyoucan.com. Let us know what you thought of the film. Let us know if there's a request for a a future film that we should watch. Um, Keeping in mind, we're going to see Suicide Squad. We're going to see the ones that you expect us to see, these blockbusters that are are rolling in month by month. But for now, I will leave you with thoughts of Warcraft look forward to talking to you next time on the podcast hit it Ooh. Yeah, yeah. thank you for listening please like us on facebook and follow us on twitter go to www.podmeifyoucan.com pod me if you can movie reviews 